You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Just to review kind of where we've been and where we're going. So we're talking about covenants. We're talking about these handholds that are essential to our faith as God uh, is the God as he was uh, at creation, as he is today, and he is consistently wanting to restore us, right? We are being restored. All of his people, he wants to provide a way, a pathway towards restoration. And so I want to make sure we had clear analogies of what we were talking about as we're doing that. We talked about that God didn't choose just to lasso his people and just be like, come back here, you messed up. He gives us a choice to seek him and he makes a way for us and he makes a way from the very beginning and one of the ways that he makes a way is through covenants and so last week first of all the last couple weeks I'm super grateful uh, for the teachers that we have on our staff and Adam did a great job I was very moved by our messages Uh, I'm really proud of him and this is part of discipleship right you're not I'm not going to preach thank goodness I'm not going to preach like 52 times a year up here you're like yes don't celebrate too much uh but like, at, we're going to continue to develop are the teachers, the people who have that gifting in our body. And uh, I'm super excited about that. And I'm here. I'm taking notes. I'm diving in. I get to see the sermon as it's crafted. And I know, you know, Adam being vulnerable and transparent and real up here was awesome. And so uh, kind of in our knots, the first one that we wanted to really tie on there was this Noahic covenant. And so now I have a different thought process when I see a rainbow. When I see a rainbow... I'm going to remember God's promise. And the promise that I'm going to remember is that he saw Noah. And what I'm going to remember about how he saw Noah is he saw him as, as, as righteous when he wanted it. He was, he was hurt. God's heart was hurt by the way his people were acting and treating and function, functioning around each other. And he, 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 he didn't just forsake us. He grabbed Noah and he tied a knot and said, all right, Noah, we'll do a do-over. I want to do a do-over with you. How many people in here have ever needed a do-over with God? Yeah, you're like, me? How many people this week needed a do-over with God? And how many people today needed a... D- <laughs> all right, yeah, you, amen, me too. And so he tied that knot. And I'll always remember for the rest of my life hearing about the reminder to be forgiven. The you, not, you, not, you are not what you did. You are who God says you are. Yes. And so God reaches down and he grabs Noah and he finds him as righteous and he, and he brings him along. And so that's this knot. And remember that it's not just a like, hey, let me tease you guys down here and maybe you can get to the rope and maybe you can't. And this isn't, God's not trying to hide from you and move it over here. He actually makes a way. And as we're coming closer to Easter, he sends his son, in my analogy, to go get us. We're not just climbing the rope by ourselves. I am not capable and strong enough to climb it by myself. You know what I needed? I needed a savior. I needed a savior. So that was the first knot. And then this week, in our analogy, there's more than, more than the number of covenants we're talking about. But in this week, we're going to talk about this knot of, of Abraham. And this Abrahamic covenant. And what does God do with Abraham now? As I was going through and preparing this and reading through the text, did you guys see that you had homework? How many people did your homework? Right on, right there. (laughs) All right, look in your notes, and there'll be like at the bottom, it'll say like homework. And so what we're asking you to do, if I come up here and talk, and it's mildly entertaining, 
but it doesn't drive you into God's, the, the loving arms of our Father in heaven, and it doesn't drive you into his word, then I don't need to be up here. There are, I listen to them, there's like 10 better sermons on the Abrahamic covenant than the one you're going to hear today. That information is out there. It's out there. But I want to inspire you to fall in love with your Savior. I want to inspire you to, to, to be moldable, to be pliable, to dive into God's word. You'll learn 10 times more than that than you're going to learn from a 25-minute sermon from a guy who's struggling and diving in just like you are. So you have homework in there. Next week, you're supposed to read Exodus what? There you go. Go through it. Read it. Understand it. Understand. See what kind of questions you have. His word is active. We are grafted from the amazing zealousness of God's chosen people as Gentiles. We are grafted into the story. We are part of the story of being restored. And if you claim yourself as as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to model and to tell the story of who our God is really well. And how are you going to get to know his story? Are you going to get to know his story by watching other people's sermons? Are you going to get to know his story by living out the life and, and, and being a sermon of yourself? Being taught, being moldable. So I get the Abrahamic covenant. It's funny as we go through this, just to give you a little preview. Uh, I'll do Abraham and Moses, Moses, Mosaic covenants next week. And then Greg's like, I want David. So Greg who we love when he teaches, our worship pastor, he wants David. Why does he want David? That's so weird. It's like fangirling over David. No. Uh, but I'm super excited for that. He's already been working through that. We've been going through it in our sermon club. My earliest memories when I think about the, the name Abraham, now I didn't grow up in the church, but uh, my wife and I were trying to raise our kids the best we could uh, and, and we became Christians You know, early on in our, our marriage. She was raised Catholic um, I went to Catholic schools, but then we became Christian. So when we moved to, um, uh, our kids were in church. We went to Real Life in Post Falls and all these things. We moved to Montana looking for a church, and we ended up not going to this one church called Lolo Community Church in beautiful Lolo, Montana, but they had this program called Awanas. And it was so cool because it was on the same night as our life group. So we were like, cool. Here you go. Thank you, church, for doing your work. So they were doing these awesome things with the kids. My kids had the vest, and they were sparks for Jesus, right? And I, uh, sorry, I don't remember with Ellie because she was quite a bit younger, but with Tori, my beautiful daughter here today, and Jacob, uh, we would send them to Awana. And Awana is like the Bible verse memorizing song singing awesomeness uh, that, there, that there could be. And I remember my kids coming home one time, and I'm like, well, what, what, I picked them up, what did you guys learn? And, and picture Jacob with his chubby cheeks and red hair, and Tori with her beautiful flowing red hair, and we were down, and I, I think I remember being in the basement of our house, and I'm like, well, what did you guys learn? And they were like, Father Abraham, his only son, the only son of Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, right arm. Father Abraham is the only son. And left arm, left arm. And started going through the song, and I'm like, they were teaching them about Father Abraham all the way through there. I was like, what is it? Who is this Abraham guy? Let me go look through this. 
Come, are you guys just looking at me like I'm weird or some of you want to stand up and start doing it? <laughs> Both? Okay. All right. I should have read it here because I had the words so I could have got it all right. But had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. That's what we're doing, right? So as I started researching this week, uh, previous last week's into this message, I was like, oh, I want to preach. I want this message. This was a great one. I want to teach these guys. No, this is a great one. No, this is a great one. And I'm flipping through my Bible and listening to all these sermons and all those things. And God's just like, stop. Stop listening to other people's messages and listen to what I want to tell you. Roger that. Because there are some cool messages out there. I start thinking like, you know what? God, what do you want? Here's my question I ask before I get a chance to preach. And I consider it an honor and it's a privilege up here. I don't have a right. It's an honor and a privilege to teach. My wife woke up this morning. She's like, you get to go teach God's word today. And I was like, yes. So what do you want your people to know, God? What do you want them to know? You want them to know the details, the 14 separate uh, sections of the Abrahamic covenant by Dr. Uh, Fischenbaum or whatever his name was on the bottom of your notes there. It's awesome. You should go look it up. What do you want your people to know, God? I think what he wants to know is that he wants you to know is that Abraham models the idea that there was only one God. Before then, people believed in many gods. Abraham's father, in rabbinical tradition, was wicked. He was an idolatrous priest who manufactured. Idols. And can you imagine, it would be very likely that Abraham would have been part of his father's trade, wouldn't it? And can you imagine that our father Abraham was an idol manufacturer with his dad? And can you imagine that God chooses Abram? He chooses him. Something I want you to remember about covenants is that God's covenants work through faith-filled people. God's covenants work through faith-filled people. Now, there's an acronym I'm going to bring back for many of you. If you're new, you don't know this, but I want you to be fat. Fat. Not the fat that I am now, but a different kind of fat. So the F is for being faithful. And I saw a lot of faithfulness in the story about Abraham. Faithfulness comes from a place of trust and loyalty. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I read this quote here. It says, it's one thing to simply believe in God, but it's another thing to be faithful to him. I had to check myself. Am I an acknowledger of God? Or am I faithful to him? A is for available. Definition of available is to be uh, used or obtained at someone's disposal. Well, not at someone's disposal. 
the creator, Father in heaven, is asking you to be available. Available for what? I don't know. That's what you should talk to him about. But he's choosing to use you and me to restore his creation as he chose to use Abraham, as he chose to use Noah, as he chose to use Moses, and they get to choose also. And they argue with God. They have questions, something that we've never done, right? If you have a relationship with God, you probably would argue with him. You probably have questions. And the T is for teachable. And this is a question I'd have for you is how, how teachable are we? You know what? If you, if you, how do you know somebody is teachable? Is they share what they're learning. What are you sharing that you're learning? I got all this construction knowledge now. I'd like to share that with you. You know what I learned this weekend? That if you do this with a caulk gun for about five hours, all of these muscles really, really hurt. And if you're on a ladder and you're nervous of heights and you shake a little bit, you're working some core. <laughs> That's what, but, but what, are, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the sports teams? Because that's what you're teachable in, right? Are you talking about Are you talking about uh, cool cars? Which is all good things to be talking about, by the way. But if that's like the only narrative, if you're just like if you're the guy they go to, and you're like, "Oh, this is my fantasy football guy. He's, he's the guru. He's going to who'd you start this week?" Are you talking about NCAA March Madness and which team's going to win outside of Gonzaga? Because there is no other team that's going to win. Okay. What are you talking about? Are you talking about God's word and how you were passionately reading God's word and you were looking at it and you were just like, I don't, I don't get this. I got, who am I going to go talk to about this? Because I want to make sure. Are you passionately talking about God's word? Because people that are teachable talk about what they're learning. They take notes. They highlight their Bible. We got to get back to this. This is a good point in our sermon club. Uh, one of the folks in our sermon clubs, you know what I liked when Adam preached is he got his Bible. And he read to us from his Bible, not from the screen. They're kind of the same words. But like, what happens if we lost all digital communication today? Do you have like 20 different Bibles at home? They're really cool Bibles. You have like every version and you don't read hardly any of them. No, I read, I read the Bible. But like, I got like 20 different versions, right? Like you can bring your Bible to this church. It's okay. If you don't have one, that's okay, too. We'll put the words on the screen, but, but you should be like bringing your Bible and highlighting it and taking notes because you're learning and having bookmarkers and stuff in there of things that you want to talk about. Another thing somebody that's teachable do is they sit under other teachers. So I'm being mentored by Dan Shields. I talk to him for an hour every other Tuesday about our church about where we are, about what we're doing, about how our staff is doing and mistakes that I've made and things that I need to fix and all those things. But I have a mentorship relationship with somebody because God's church is really, really important. But we're sitting under, we're learning. Who are you sitting under and learning outside of your 20 minutes on a Sunday or 25 minutes on a Sunday? I noticed that we're chewing up the Brad Gray stuff quite a bit. I noticed that we're chewing up the Bible Project stuff quite a bit, right? I'm like, man, I feel like we should give to that Bible Project. I feel like we should probably kick them some cash because we use their stuff all the time. But what are, what, what are we, what are, who are we sitting under? And then the other thing you find out about teachable people 
is they have a community of people in their field that know more than them. You know what that's called? A disciple. That you have people in the field of God's word, in the field of where you're walking, in the field of what you're learning that know more than you. And there's a lot of those people for me, some of you in this very room. But we're learning, we're submitted, we're submitted to, to learning. So, I'm going to go to some bonus text here in my Bible. In uh, Genesis chapter 17, this is not on the notes or on the screen, so if the people backstage are like, what? I know. It's a Holy Spirit moment. This is kind of what shook me a little bit this week as I was, as I was reading this. Genesis 17, 7. It says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come. Cool. To be your God. To be your God. I found that interesting. I knew all the first stuff, but I found that interesting about this idea that he wants to be your God. I want to be your God, the one true God, the God who has your best interest at heart. This is not me saying this from the stage. This is God saying it from his word. Like he's talking to you sitting there in your seat right now. He, you know who's got, he wants, could, can I be, I want to be your God. I want to be your God. Because I need to show you what the God of creation looks like. Not all of these other gods that you made idols for, for your dad, for their business, that required sacrifice, that required uh, death, that required, that were never satisfied, they were always hungry, and you could never be enough, and you could never do enough, and you're never enough, and you had a personal God that you could just continue to fail over and over and over and over again. Anybody interested in that kind of God? I don't want to be the God uh, to have a God that just that looks at me as like scum that I keep messing up. So this is the introduction of the idea of a monotheistic God. Like this, no, one God. Not, there's not lots of them. There's one God. And guess what? I want to be your God is what he says. And over and over through the whole story of the text, we keep seeing that he's like, do you believe me? 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 I require belief. That's what he requires of us, is for you to believe, for you to trust that he has the best interest. One God. If you take anything away from this, take this away. He wants to be your God. He's a God of blessing. He's a God who sees you. He's a God who hears your cry. Right now, I'm just impressed right now just to stop for a second, guys. Pray with me right now. Father God, enter this place right now. 
Have your mighty hand upon this place. May your spirit descend and fall upon this place in a mighty, mighty way. I know right now there is health issues in this room right now, Father God. There's people struggling with some significant health issues. And I ask, Lord, and the homes where people are watching, every place that this goes out, Lord, that your presence would fall upon them. Lord, I know there is marriages that are struggling in this room right now. They are not sure if they're going to make it. They're not sure if they want to make it. I ask you that you would just fall upon them. You would impress on their hearts. You would take them to beautiful places in your word, and you would introduce them to beautiful people here today that can help them fight that battle. Uh, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and separate, and dominate, and he's trying to do it all over the place through health, through finances, through all those things, and we rebuke that. It is not allowed here. You know why? Because you are God who provides. You provide a way when there is no way. Your promises still stand. Lord, fall upon this place in a mighty way. Fall upon the medical professionals here. Fall upon all these things, Lord. Make a way. Well, you already made it. Reveal it. Let me see it. Please, Father. Over the marriages, over, over uh, thoughts of suicide, over all those things, Lord, we just ask that you would just come in and just clean it up because you are a God who provides. Say that in Jesus' name. Amen. I messed up the worship team because they're coming, but I'm not ready yet. You guys can stay back there. It'll be good. All right. Six minutes, 48 seconds. Here we go. What are the promises in this covenant? He promises land. He tells him to leave his father's house. He tells him to leave everything that he has, knows, security, all of those things. He says, leave, leave all that. And it's just like somebody telling you to just like, yeah, Josh, I know you have a really cool house that you just built and stuff. Leave that. Go to this place. Yeah, but I have, no, just go. Just leave it all and go. That is a faith I have not yet attained. I've left stuff, but I left to something that I could see and touch and feel. Genesis 12, 7, 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who happened, uh, who had appeared to him. The second promise was for descendants. The angel of the Lord called to Abram from the heaven and second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this uh, and have not withheld your son, uh, your only son, interesting, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through uh, your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You believed, he believed what God said. Now, that doesn't go without him thinking it was funny. This one party says, like, you're going to have a, you're going to have a son through your, your wife. And he's like, ha, he laughs. It says in the text, he laughs like, right. God, do you know how old she is and how old I am? God's like, yeah, I do. So can you laugh and question God? Sure. In relationship with him and to go back with him and to talk about those things and struggle and wrestle. Yes. So he promised us in his third 
is he promised a blessing. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless uh, you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So you and I are blessed through Abraham. We're his descendants. Right? We're, we're, this is, this is great grandpa Abraham, but it's a lot of greats. It's not so different than now. Having a home, putting down roots, learning about how this God is different from the other gods that I may have created in my own life. He is the God who provides. When you think about just the cultural background here, they're living on faith. We're living on Safeway and Winco. Right? But they're living on faith. Like they're not, they're not sure. They're not sure if they're going to make it. So what's in a name? There's a name change in the text. If you did your homework in there and you see his name was Abram and then it went to Abraham. So Abram means God is exalted. Well, how could this God be exalted? Because he says he wants to be your God. How are you exalting your God in your life today? How am I exalting God in my life today? And then he changes his name to Abraham the father of many nations. And as I read that, I was like, he is confirming his covenant with his obedient servant. I bet you Abraham knew that when he changed his name because the name's a big deal. It's like, wait a minute. Like, you're ratifying this. Boom! Name change. There continues to be promises, the verifications that reaffirm what God was doing here. Genesis 21, 12, uh, he reaffirms that with his son Isaac. He reaffirms the covenant with uh, Jacob, uh, Isaac's son, in Genesis 28, 14. And I wanted to close with this. I think about the idea that this is the God who provides, but this is the one God who provides, who says he wants to be your God. He doesn't want you to have other gods. And this gets weaved throughout the text. And it's something that you'll see happen today to remind the Jews, remind themselves every day. And we have the Christian Shema. And we've heard this term Shema before, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. I want to be your God. I want to be your God, he says. I want to show you what the God of creation really looks like. And what are we to do with this God who, who picked us? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And the Jesus part of the Shema is, and then love your neighbor as yourself. This is the beginning of God continuing to make his way to restore all of creation. He started it with Noah. He started it with Noah. We're invited with Abraham. Do you want this God? Is it enough just to to know about this God or to follow this God? We talk about it as we're trying to be disciples, right? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
We're following the God of Abraham. We're following the God of Isaac. We're following all the way through Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes down and he brings us up the rope. We've got to choose to grab onto Jesus. We've got to choose to say that you want God, especially this God who's God as proven, who's a proven God who provides. Here's what I hope you take away from this. There's so much more to it. But it sets the foundation for faith that there is one God. It shows that this God is very different from all of the other false gods. And that our God is a God of provision. Land, which is your house. Descendants, which is your children. And blessing, which is the community all around us. He chooses to bless others through you and I. And he chose to bless us by having uh, his son come down. And so we get the privilege of sharing communion every week. And so if you're new with us, don't feel obligated uh, to take communion. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we're going to remember because we are crescendoing to an awesome day three weeks from now where we are going to celebrate what our God continues to do with us. And so that night, when we go back and remember, I want to take this time as a little bit of directed prayer. I want to cheat and dive into one of our life group questions, and I want you to search it out. We're supposed to come to communion in a worthy manner. If you have ought against your brother or sister, you should go get that taken care of before you take this. If you have ought against anyone, you should go get that taken care of. You, shouldn't, you should be uh, uh, quick to, to get repentance, quick to get connected back. But we come to this sacrifice, to this, the cleanest slate from our Savior. He, want, he really wanted to be your God. He wanted to be your God so much that he sent his one and only son down. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And so here we are. We're like, God, yes, I know about you, but I want to be about your business. And so that's what I, as we reflect, Lord, show in this room right now, show us where we can be about the business of being in rest, restoration business, Lord. We, people restore cars. They restore lots of things to make them look shiny and new, and that's not really the purpose here, Lord, but you are in the business of restoration, and you want your people restored. There's hurting and broken people. And for some reason, you choose people like us to do the restoring, to help help polish off some of the, the tough spots to have the hard conversations, to love well. And Lord, what you did with your son on the cross, I don't understand it. But man, am I grateful. I am so grateful. So Father God, I just ask you to search the room. You search the room for people here, Lord, that need to meet you there's any question in this room about if you're their God, that you would clear that up with them right now. I ask you would move us. Move us to being a big part of how we restore in this community. I lift up all the churches in this community, Lord. I think that the hospitals are being built in a mighty, mighty way, Lord. 
Because there's lots of hurting folks that are going to be coming and looking for something and they need to meet you. They need to meet this one true God. So Lord, help us do that in a mighty way. On that night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, it is for you. Do this and remember me. Remember, 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 remember that he wants to be your God. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it and remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord, we proclaim you as our God. Father God, There's a lot of good stuff that's been said about Abraham. There's a lot of good sermons out there that I heard this week, Lord, but I hope that your people got to hear what you wanted them to hear this week. That you are a God of provision. That you provide a way, that you make a way, that you desire to restore relationships. Lord, that you desire to restore our spiritual health and our physical health. Lord, I, 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 I have chosen you as my God. I ask that you would just clean up any other gods that I'm putting in place. As you clean up any other idols that I would have in the way. Clean up the idols of pride. Clean up the idols of division. Lord, help us to see you well, to hear you well this week. Help us to dive into your word, Lord. Give us your sermon. Put the sermon on everybody's heart that you want them to hear this week, Lord. I say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.